0: Back, back, back again
1: yeah with I wanted Gabe to, I and wanted to Steven mention, <laughs> I wanted to mention because of today's cast that uh, and I've never seen it which is why I'm bringing it up you've never seen Avatar no oh. but Titanic you've never seen Titanic is getting it's 25 25 years 25th year That's anniversary release like my favorite James Cameron film in February i'm gonna people go people hate on it. see it what good good so, you should are you kidding so many people say it's like the best movie ever uh a lot of people that i have talked to hate that's so wild them, my yeah. impression was that it was just universally adorable um
0: i hope i mean for some reason i feel like a lot of the modern film critics like, like younger film people like are like titanic is like not a good movie you know like like low-key like no good you know like that kind of thing
1: oh i guess i'll have to figure that out in february it's i like valentine's day release I thought it would, I, I mean, I, I watched that movie probably
0: every two years, which is like more frequent than I watch a lot of movies. Really? And, oh yeah. It's cause it's, it's a Titanic of a picture. You know what I mean?
1: So did you see it when it came out when you were like 12?
0: Uh, I was in fifth grade. It was the year Princess Diana died and, um, yeah, I saw it in the theater. Is that 99? I was 10. No. 97. Yeah. I was 10.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. I for sure saw it. Uh, Because I wasn't allowed to see nudity or sex. My dad took me to the
1: bathroom during that part. Oh, my God. He walked you out of the theater? Yeah. (laughs) So he knew what was coming. (laughs) He knew who was coming. He did. He did. That was dirty. Someone was. And many would say that James Cameron is one of the greatest filmmakers of the (laughs) latter half of the 20th century. Many would say that. He's has way. contributed to cinema over and over. Why don't you
0: name some of the things James Cameron has made before?
1: Sure. Uh, his first big hit, I think he was inspired because he started his career shortly after Star Wars came out. I think it was Star Wars that inspired him to stop whatever he was doing and make movies. Uh, his first feature, which <laughs> nobody cares about, was Piranha 2, The Spawning, which did abysmally, apparently. That was 1981. Moving into his insane run of films, he did The Terminator in 1984, Mm -hmm. Aliens Mm -hmm. in 86, Mm -hmm. The Abyss in 89, Terminator 2 in 91, True Lies in 94. uh, He did a really cool Terminator 2 3D project called Battle Across Time in 96, uh, which was like a glorified tech demo, I think. Yep. And then Titanic in 97, and I think... That sort of completed his run. And then around that time, he he worked on some television projects. He did uh, a, a film called Expedition Bismarck, which I've never heard of. I'm, I'm guessing that's some kind of documentary because he, he does that from time to time, uh, including Aliens of the Deep in 2005. And I think, I don't know if this is where it began, but he sort of had, in the 21st century, had this blossoming love of water and of uh, ocean exploration, which led to some other projects. Titanic. Yeah, Titanic was there. That's probably where he fell in love with the ocean. But uh, James Cameron came back with a big swing in 2009 with Avatar. And that was, I think, until Endgame, right? Or Infinity War, the top-grossing film of all time, beating out his previous top-grossing film of all time, which was Titanic. Big cultural impact for that one. Um, People loved it for its, uh, not for its story, (laughs) but for its amazing visuals it broke new ground in computer generated imagery and 3d and all that stuff so and then he sat on his laurels for a hot minute decided at some point very quickly that he wanted to make uh a mega franchise out of avatar and he four more sequels yeah four more sequels and around 2012 he decided to make to a film that had a
0: very middling plot by the way <laughs> Great visual. but a large box office. Now let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the first Avatar really quick yeah. since you just talked about it. The first Avatar, I saw it twice in the theater in IMAX 3D. Uh, I really really liked it for the advancement of technology. Yeah, uh, it was like one of the only things I had ever seen that took the idea of native 3D, uh, which which what this means for people that don't know, it's side by side lenses that mimic basically the space that your your two eyes would be next to each other. So that when you film something with those two lenses next to each other as one camera in sync and you play it back with two projectors, it projects uh, and, and causes the 3D to look better than it would if it were done digitally. A digital projection 3D is also possible where they mimic that two eye kind of concept and project it with one projector that has like essentially like an overlap, an overlay, and that 3D looks considerably worse. Yeah, and it's something that we we dealt with a lot at our IMAX company because we were we were capturing native 3D and playing back with two projectors and uh, native 3D. So for people that can't really or don't have never really seen it, this is like one of the things actually that we are. It was our forte, it was our strong suit, it was this kind of 3D technology at that company, but for people that don't really know how to tell the difference. If you think about looking at someone in the foreground with something in the background, there's going to be a very, very gradual uh, depth of field and loss. And so things in the background are going to look blurry. Things in the foreground are going to look sharp, but with digital 3d that's done digitally and projected with a single projector, it's not going to look very good. You're going to notice just a couple fields of focus, And so there's going to be maybe three or four planes that you can actually focus on. It's like you have one very close to you that's usually also out of focus because the focus and the person that's sharp is going to be your uh, character generally or the object that's in focus. And then there's going to be one or two background planes after that. With native 3D that's projected with two projectors, you're going to have essentially a limitless amount of planes to focus on and by by a plane i mean like think of it like as like a surface that you're looking at in front of you normally you'd look at a movie screen imagine 300 movie screens uh, between you and however far back you want to look in the image that they're showing you and there's such a difference of resolution and fidelity mm-hmm. that you can grasp and your brain just processes it in a different way than it would if it were done digitally with one projector. And so it makes a world of difference, and James Cameron with Avatar did this for the first time, making a feature film with native 3D projected with two projectors back at you so that the 3D is so much more immersive and beautiful and he he built out this this world you've never been to before and it's super beautiful and engaging and you're you're along for this ride the thing that was criticized most about avatar was the story but i give avatar its due in that like what it did front running this new technology you know kudos to James Cameron and the first avatar film Uh, But because of the story, it was heavily criticized uh, as essentially being um,
1: the Pocahontas, (laughs) like a Pocahontas or like a white savior,
0: like a colonialism, yeah, white savior kind of thing. And it wasn't a very good story. And so to think about like, oh, he's going to make four sequels to that. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, because it's like what story is left there. And so that's where we find ourselves going into avatar the way of water which
1: 13 years later there
0: is 13 years later james cameron hasn't made a film in 13 years because he's been supposedly working on all four sequels at once well
1: not supposedly they shot a couple of them uh you know together so the word is that three is shot and they're just working on it in post right and whether or not two and three do well enough and two is obviously done well enough i also yeah that'll get four and five i also
0: just want to briefly mention that disney bought avatar and the rights to avatar and are supporting the whole avatar franchise because you know they see avatar the highest grossing film of all time and think (laughs) give me that well they think oh money we're gonna make money off of this yeah so that's where we find ourselves is billions of dollars (laughs) and because james Cameron was the one to make this money-making machine they're trusting him to just do whatever he wants to and hopefully he comes up with a good story and here we go. Avatar, the way of water. Yeah. In your top 10 favorite films of all time of, of, of 2020, <laughs> not of all time, of 2022.
1: <laughs> Definitely not of all time. Yeah. With many qualifiers, it would slip into that, um, number 10 slot because it was such That's, an, experience. sounds really wet. It's the way of water. <laughs> <laughs> it's slick. Should we mention the cast or does it even matter? So you just want to talk about the movie? Like
0: let's just talk. I mean, this is a review of the film. You can go look up the cast.
1: It's the same cast. (laughs) Plus a bunch of youngsters. There's a bunch
0: of new young
1: kids that half of of them don't know how to act. It's funny because this movie releases 13 years after the original. And I think it's set uh, in the timeline, like like 13, 14, 15 years after the original um, in-universe. So Jake and Nateri, they now have a bunch of kids. Some were born from them. Uh, A couple are adopted or... uh, (laughs) <laughs> or The human kid who's like just around, <laughs> but yeah, awful, w- awful. Yeah, if you, it, if you, I mean, I can just do a super general summary of what the story was if you want. Story. Oh, there was a story in quotes. Yeah, story. Okay, go ahead. Uh, we pick up back on Pandora with our with our characters. <laughs> After the first film, <laughs> the blue people kicked the humans off the planet. The humans are now back to reclaim Pandora or to like try to claim it again because uh, amongst various you know, priceless resources of which the main MacGuffin is now something entirely different. Uh, There is also the looming plot thread that humanity uh, is trying to colonize Pandora completely because like Earth is dying, yada, yada, yada. So they're here in force with like lots of people and guns and mechs and they're taking over. They're doing industrialization and colonization part two. And the blue people now have to reunite and come together. Jake's on the run because... For some reason, he thinks that'll help uh, the forest people if he leaves. Uh, kind of misplaced ideals there. But So he runs to the Water Tribes, which is it's an entirely new locale and ecosystem for this film to be set in, in Acts 2 and 3. We meet up with Cliff Curtis and the Water Tribe, and they get to learn the way of water, which means holding your breath longer underwater. Uh, the entire second act is just an experiential, you know, get wet kind of, spend time playing with whales and fishes new species. And then the third, the third act is uh, essentially a one long battle sequence where where they go to war with a boat. It's a very small scale. Uh, The entire final conflict, the climax is like uh, Jake and the water tribe battle out, mostly just Jake, (laughs) Jake and his family battle uh, a small team who uh, the, the boat is intended to be whale hunting. Whales play a big part in this film. And I'm I'm just overgeneralizing here. But also the villain of the film who comes uh, into contention with Jake is uh, a clone of the villain from the first film. Miles Quaritch, everybody's favorite, Stephen Lang. That was me hitting my forehead, by the way. He's back and he's blue, baby, because he's a a cool operator. Awful. With a sharp eye, so they brought him back. Terrible. And uh, he's hunting Jake because Jake is, you know, leader of the insurrection for the locals. Oh, my gosh. And uh, full spoilers. We're already in spoiler territory, but full spoilers. Full spoilers. Nothing matters after yeah, that point. Uh, no one dies except for the whaler. He gets fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the their son dies. Oh yeah. So one their of Jake's oldest son. One dies. one of Jake's kids dies, but it doesn't really matter because he really was It's really sad. It's super sad. Yeah, but he wasn't a character, so it's fine. He was just there. That's the, the second saddest son, part of the film. The second son. You gets have no heart. I don't even like this movie. And you have no heart. <laughs> I'm just oh, well. Remember, we're overgeneralizing. And then, uh, okay, <laughs> the the blue clone Quaritch is still on the he's still on the lam because uh, he's Spider's father. Spider is the human kid who's just shacking up with the Navi.
0: Spider, Spider, hiding in the corner. Spider pulls on.
1: Clone Quaritch out of the water and just he hisses at him and runs away <laughs> for no reason because <laughs> he's his father. Let him die. Anyway, that's. Avatar the Way of Water in theaters now. Um but there's there's a lot going on under the surface. You know what you know what happened here cuz you mentioned the quality of the writing and trusting James Cameron. It feels like he's got that uh George Lucas with the prequel trilogy going on where no one was like James you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, no one, yeah, yeah. But the thing is James Cameron who wrote the original, uh, you know, but, but George Lucas made three of them. Many of them, yeah.
0: No, he made he wrote poorly three times in a row well and no one was like george stop
1: (laughs) that's that's what i was gonna say and he's made a big deal about he brought on a team of writers and i'm saying that in quotes to help him with avatar two through five i think it was james cameron yeah james cameron brought four individuals did you
0: hear you heard his interview where he talked about
1: like threatening to fire the writers if they didn't do exactly what he wanted them to do that's true but i'm just saying there's other writers credited so james cameron isn't like
0: he's in charge bro no, I know, I know, I know, I know. He's 100% in charge.
1: I'm just saying. And he's
0: making awful f- movies.
1: Now. I'm not, yeah, I'm not defending... This was the worst... Jimmy C. This was the worst movie I've ever seen. I'm not defending Slip and Jimmy This here. was the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I swear. Bad. No, it, it is. And you, not... I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. Okay, tell me.
0: The dialogue was mm-hmm. bad. Okay. Which means the writing was bad. Okay. The story... Was bad. Okay. Which means the writing was bad. Okay. Those are two very key elements to making a good film. The story was the same villain from the first movie Mm -hmm. is back supernaturally. Okay. There was a contingency program where he's now alive again. Okay. Okay. Even if you you suspend your disbelief for that, (laughs) it becomes the same exact movie again. So there's no there's no new story development here. It's the same movie. It's the same story from the first movie again. Okay. Exactly.
1: You realize you're describing the sequel trilogy, right? And this is one of my big uh, where my counterpoints because I'm not I'm going to play devil's advocate. You mean you mean for for Star Wars? Star Wars? Yeah.
0: Yeah, but Star Wars is a much more enjoyable experience. That's where I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck no. Absolutely not. Let me explain. I'm not even done talking about why Avatar is so so it's the worst film ever made. Okay. So the other thing is that James Cameron decided to do something else apart from the native 3D versus digital 3D in this. Oh yeah. It's native. He constantly changed and switched between 24 frames per second and 48 frames per second. He did do that. So <laughs> So and it seems like cuz 48 frames per second to render that, it, it costs a lot more money to render something at a higher frame rate. Right. What that means is that, essentially, instead of seeing 24 frames per second, which is how most people are used to watching film and television, when you project something back at 48 frames per second, there's a lot more information between the 24 frames. There's double the information. Your brain processes it a little bit differently, and it looks a lot campier. It looks a lot more like a video game.
1: It's kind of surreal.
0: Render. There's, there's kind of a surrealist element to it. And, the, and James Cameron, the whole time throughout this whole movie was talking this movie up being like go ahead go to the bathroom you'll be back to watch it three times (laughs) in a three hour and 10 minute film he randomly chose seemingly nonsensically which shots not so even within one scene yeah you have certain shots that are 48 and certain shots that are 24 so if you have hypothetically a talking scene where there's just like a simple blocking move with one character walking from one side of the room to the other. Mm -hmm. That is 48 frames per second where you cut to the wide, the character walks across the room and then it cuts back to 24 where the characters are now talking and it looks normal. There's no rhyme or reason why he should make that one shot 48 frames per second when the rest were 24. But the reason it's the worst film ever made is because not only is the story bad, the writing's bad, the dialogue's bad, all of that is bad. It's true. But even the technical (laughs) feat that propelled the first film forward in its advancement for technical engineering failed here because the 48 frames per second to 24 frames per second is so jarring and so strange. It takes you out of the film in the way that the first one was able to immerse you in an environment Mm -hmm. this is consistently throughout the whole film through every scene every shot is so distracting that it's the opposite of immersive there's no jarring there's no way to even connect because you're constantly being thrown for a loop and maybe my eyes are trained to it because of like our background being at at the imax company but but i because I, I have heard some people say oh i couldn't even tell that it was jumping between 48 mm-hmm. 24 and that's fine but like it's not the technical advancement that the first movie was so it doesn't even have that going for it so if it's not technically good if it's not good because of its story if it's not good because of its dialogue what else is there the cinematography is not good because it's mostly cg so there were some cool stunts like the stunt work is cool because they were actually in water against motion capture and motion capture suits and blue screen Mm -hmm. or green screen. But like what else is left? You don't have anything. Nothing Derek. (laughs) The the music, the music wasn't that good. It wasn't like remarkable. So like what, what else was left after that? You, you killed the thing that made your first film successful, the technical engineering part. And you redid the same story, but worse because the dialogue was worse. And then you did the same thing, even with the MacGuffin, like you mentioned in the first film. You had the unobtainium. Yep. In this film, you have whale brain juice. Amrita or Amurta? It doesn't know. fucking matter. <laughs> Amaretta. It's so. Henrietta. When that happened, and it happened like way late in the game, it's like, well, that's this is what we're throwaway. actually here for. Yeah. It didn't really matter anyway. To uh, the. It's in the film. It's in the movie. Yeah. So but it's like I, it it's matters just, to yeah. James. It matters to James Cameron. He thought it was worth the three-hour, ten-minute runtime to leave it in.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's just there.
0: The whole film doesn't matter. It it's doesn't just matter. There. It's just there. No, that's what I'm saying. Like it is purely th- uh, a spectacle. Mm-hmm. There's no heart or brain behind any of it. And people, people keep. That's the thing is, people keep hailing James Cameron as this genius, and he's not. I'm sorry, but he's like he reminds me of Edward Norton's character in The Glass Onion. Oh, the, the pseudo intellect. Yeah, who just. Are, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're not doing something innovative here, James. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's just not good. If he had taken the 48 frames per second jumping and put it back to 24 and then played the whole film back at 24, it would have been a much better film. But right. he didn't do that. He, like, shot himself in the foot with this movie. That's my own personal belief mm-hmm. on The Way of Water is that, like, there's nothing really redeeming, really redeeming about, about this it. film to make it good. Right. And And the reason that it's... Why I'm saying it's the worst film ever made, <laughs> um, is because of all of the hype that James Cameron himself, being a pompous asshole, mm-hmm. built up, claiming that he was like the greatest filmmaker. Like I think, or people claiming that he's like the greatest filmmaker ever made, and him, you know, talking about like firing the writers, and and he seems to be so full of himself that for him to hype up this movie as like the second coming of Jesus Christ is so bonkers because it is so much not the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's an egregious act of filmmaking that instead of advancing filmmaking forward, it actually is like a one step forward, two steps back kind of situation. You know? Yeah. And that's why I think it's 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 not progress,
1: it's regress. It's regress. Yeah. Fair points. That maybe it's my virgin eyes, but the frame rate thing, after like a while, didn't bother me as much. It was really jarring at first, but that's why on a on a spectacle or a visual level, it wasn't as egregious. Um, and I did see it a second time with my folks, and honestly, the high frame rate really only occurred to me one time in the second viewing. So I don't know if I just got used to it, because historically, I've despised high frame rate. Like, I heard. I also heard that not every theater played it back at 48. Oh, yeah.
0: So, there were some theaters that did and some theaters that didn't. If you were lucky enough to see it in all 24, it's probably a much better film. Yeah. And 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 that's me saying, like, Tarzan boy, horrible acting with the kids. <laughs> um, Kate Winslet is thrown in there for some reason. Oh, and then fucking... I haven't even mentioned. I haven't even mentioned after, like, the, the horrible antagonist. Fucking Sigourney Weaver. Oh, I, I get where you're coming from. She plays a, a
1: uh, <laughs> essentially
0: on the spectrum, a Navi well,
1: no, I still would girl, say <laughs> woman.
0: And so she's playing a young girl, Sigourney Weaver, because she can, because she's in motion capture. And Jake like adopted this girl who randomly was birthed out of the Sigourney Weaver. This is James Cameron's way of just keeping Sigourney Weaver around for no reason at all. And they gave her some special connection powers to the
1: well, she's like a, Mother Earth. Or she's whatever. like a virgin birth deal. So I think the idea is that the re- and one of the reasons she has the same voice as Grace is because she's like a digital copy, or not a digital, but a, a genetic copy. I don't fucking
0: care. Oh, the other thing that's so upsetting, <laughs> the other thing that's so upsetting is because one of my favorite things ever, the, yeah. the Last Airbender. Oh my God, yeah. Got curbed because Avatar had the same title and it's the most successful film ever made. So The Last Airbender is called Avatar The Last Airbender and it has a whole lore and this amazing thing behind it that um, wasn't. You know, it wasn't entirely original, but the creators uh, based Avatar: The Last Airbender on some stuff from history and, and historic lore that that basically put all the elements together—earth, water, fire, and air—and once the Avatar masters all four of those, mm-hmm. he conquers. You know, whatever he has to conquer. And James Cameron. Okay, we've had the Earth one or the Forest one already. We just saw the Water one. He's announced that the third one, the third movie, is going to be about fire. Navi
1: the way of fire
0: and he's literally, he's literally following the exact same thing as the last airbender
1: well it, I don't know how he'll bring that to completion
0: um, i don't I hope these films fail <laughs> so that we don't see the completion of that story. I don't want to see it anyway tell me tell me something that is better.
1: Well I was going to say I make, I make it better. I yet. have a lot of my own qualms about story writing, dialogue, yada yada. Um, some of which, in my own head, I've come to reason out, but I think you did a, well, a good enough job at lampooning the story of this film, so I don't need to actually go in on it. I just wanted to mention a couple things, like the free diving of the film and shooting water for water. A lot of that stuff was incredible. If you look at the behind the scenes, the way they made it um, was really cool. And they shot motion capture underwater, which I think was unprecedented. And so that led to a lot of the realism of the underwater scenes, where they're swimming and all that cool stuff, all the fishes. So, all in all, I agree with most of what you're saying. But, like I said, I can I can reason your top ten. I can reason a lot of those things out in my head, and it's not worth really having a conversation um, it, down into the weeds because you're it, so entrenched.
0: It is worth, in my belief, you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, but you you do become a little hard. Pressed when it comes to... Which, which is why I think it's so fascinating because and I, I, when I was watching it the second time, I kept thinking about The Rise of Skywalker because there's so many parallels in terms of how much of a mess it is. And I was thinking it's it's interesting that people will defend something that has its roots in nostalgia mm-hmm. when something like Avatar that is kind of fresh in the public conscious, the zeitgeist, whatever that fun word is. It's not 40 years old. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't have a lot of that rooted... You know defense but but the reason it didn't bother me when when so much other i p the lack of originality like I said it completely turns me off, sure I was trying to figure that out, and I think it's it's because of a couple reasons one is like the scale of avatar two is pretty small, and that that's one of the things one of the things personally that I appreciated and it it gave me not respect necessarily for James Cameron or the story but like and maybe that's because he wants to do so many films down the line. But I, I appreciated how small and self-contained the story was. It wasn't this galactic conflict. It was ultimately about Jake Sully's family and the single uh, antagonistic force, which was Korich, uh, pursuing them. And so, like I said earlier, the final climactic fight is a very small, self-contained fight. Mm-hmm. And that it made it feel very personal. And kind of interesting to me, and the way they're going to explore, despite my reservations about you know how they achieved these these things like bringing back Miles Quaritch, mm-hmm. it seems like they're going to explore, you know, in the future his relationship, not just with his his kid who's not even his kid, but his relationship as what he's a Navi now, as as a clone, he's a Navi, and he's he's kind of following obviously. The footsteps of jake and discovering like his newfound identity honestly and so there's these little moments in way of water where you're seeing uh miles quaritch's journey who ultimately might have been my favorite part of the film because he's realizing it's kind of funny he's like finding his humanity even though he's no longer human he's finding his he's finding these little ways to uh to be good and it's difficult to redeem a character that is so unredeemable but because he is not that person anymore. I think there's interesting avenues moving forward to explore that idea. That's one of the little things that I think you know, when I'm digging for for good things to find out of the way of water, out of the writing because it is so difficult to find the good things in the writing for me in this film. There there are little things like that that I that I'm pulling out to like focus on because it's interesting that you justify like you're willing to
0: justify and 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 stretch out to enjoy the things about this film, but you can't do that for
1: rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And vice versa, you know, you mean for me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I feel like it goes both ways. Well,
0: rise of Skywalker. Okay. I think, I think the nostalgia is a little bit different than talking about like the lore. Right. So like the lore of star Wars, there's, there are things that happen in rise of Skywalker that we had never seen before. Like, Force healing and, and stuff that we've heard of that we've never seen in like a main story Star Wars film. So the fact that we got to see progression of the Jedi capability mm-hmm. was so rad to see, and that had that had been built up for forty
1: years. That's how I feel about the underwater shit in the way of water. Like the egregious writing aside, the world building in the yeah, way I of ag- water.
0: I agree. Like the the egregious writing, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. I agree there. Like yeah. not great. It's a retreading of everything we've seen but but it does do new things that adds to the lore of Star Wars Mm -hmm. That I I mean, that's my bias is like I love the lore of Star Wars So yeah, the lore of Avatar was one film, you know, and and it retreads it immediately Like so it's not like the original Star Wars trilogy four five and six that plays out a whole story and adds to it As it goes five is considered the best Star Wars movie ever made Avatar the way of water was egregiously worse than the first avatar you see what I'm saying So even if Avatar was a trilogy, it automatically makes it
1: worse like it dips immediately yeah. so I that's why I'm like what? well think about think about the Star Wars film franchises the trilogies as individual units right you had the original trilogy incredible prequel trilogy We're a bit falling off the cliff you know well, well depending on who's watching a bit, it yeah yeah we're we're totally off the cliff. We're pretty much in the ravine and dying. <laughs> And then the sequel trilogy, which obviously as well has a very mixed response. That's how I view those. And that's the lens in which I'm thinking of Avatar as its own franchise. Because while it is so much of a retread of what's coming before, in its own, you know, story. I would say it's strictly a retread. And that's not me
0: trying to be entrenched in my belief. No, I
1: mean, you're right. It is beat for beat, like the same. Even to the points of like Miles Quaritch as Blue... Miles (laughs) Quaritch is literally doing Jake's journey, like beat for beat, but they're expanding it at the same time. Like way of water is world building in a small way. It's not adding to the galactic cosmos, like, like um, Star Wars does every film or every show at dad's, but we're seeing entirely new biomes and locales. Like after the first act, we were now in this reef, ecosystem which was and we spend like way too much time just being in that space which to me is cool because i like that that was the best part of the movie yeah yeah that that stuff is cool that's act
0: act two being in the in that space and that's world building
1: we it's 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 overindulgent it's it is like too much and some people hate the, the second act for that reason because it slows down and it gives the film space to breathe and just exist in the world building that's the best part of the movie that's why I'm saying everybody's going to approach it. And I'm I'm looking at these things like, I think th- I love that. And James Cameron, like you said, he's so full of himself because there's like that YouTube clip where he's like, I'm doing this thing because I want to see it. Yeah, I'm not going to defend James Cameron. And I don't think he's the greatest filmmaker of all time. But I don't want to discount his legacy of like 20th century filmmaking because it will stand forever. And I, I don't think he's entirely creatively bankrupt even now. But obviously, he's way too in his head. But I think there is still value. Yeah, ultimately, it's it, it's a film riddled with issues. But I try to find the value in those things. And even in, even in films that I despise, I think there there's still what's there's something there. The, what's
0: so ironic here for me is that I feel like I always am trying to look for the good in every movie. And I feel like I'm constantly the one defending every movie and you're the one that's more critical
1: that is that is curious well i know for a fact that you came into avatar 2 expecting to hate it uh like and and you've described like your the problems you had with the first avatar and you i think one of the reasons you hated it so much is because it was so adored and you didn't right that when away the thing is the first one yeah 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 and pe- everyone knows that no, avatar I,
0: it's not because it was so adored
1: i mean i guess that's part of it but like the fact that it was so adored for being such a bad story. Exactly. Well, we're qualifying, but the point stands. Everyone knows that Avatar is no benchmark for writing, and it never was. But it was still love for what it brought to people in terms of escapism. I guess I just, I just have a hard time
0: in the film world when something lands that has no heart behind it.
1: But I would say that Despite its execution, there was heart. Just like with the prequel trilogy in George Lucas, there was intention, there was heart, there was cleverness of craft, but it was so bungled. And I think that bothers people like us typically, because we care first and foremost about story. Story is the beginning of cinema, it is so integral, right, to everything that we love. And so... It didn't do it very well, but it was still the most successful film of all time. And so I think you you took kind of a, a bit of a vendetta against it. So when Avatar Two replicates that, not just its success, but its execution in so many ways, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna like double down on, on your on your contempt for this franchise and for James, who is the architect, right? But for me it's like it is still redeeming in terms of its maybe it's because i'm a sci-fi nut but it is showing us a new world and that's what i want to see and that's why there's fatigue in other franchises who are trying to do that same thing and failing even at this point avatar is still a fresh ip it is stale in in ways but it is ultimately like it is newer so if if avatar 3 keeps you know if we keep getting and i don't think we're here's here's my projection i don't think we're going to get another retread I think Avatar 2 was like The Force Awakens. It's bringing people back into this world.
0: I agree with that. Yeah. I think I think it was like a retread uh intentionally because it's been 13 years. It's like you kind of have to reintroduce everybody again, which sucks. But like it's it sucks for the the fact that like it's not the advancement of the story. I think the next 3 sequels if we get there. Yeah. Yeah. will be the the it, like it'll be like Avatar one never existed and like Way of Water was essentially the start of the, exactly. the next four yeah
1: Avatar was a prequel yeah which is why I'm excited you know not even cautiously optimistic I'm just excited to see now that we've established where we are what can we do moving forward so whether it's a few years or a few decades from now I'm gonna be there uh, you know opening week to see.
0: I probably will too, but that's because I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment, but I also like to see, like, I, I, I just like, I can't not watch, you know, yeah. it's like that kind of thing.
1: It's like a, a car crash or yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the, the spectacle of Nope. It's like we I have to see, you know, well here we'll play. So I, I apologize for our listeners, for people that
0: loved it. I'm so sorry that I hated on it so much. No, I just, and, and, and you know what? I, I hear what you say and like, I, I received that, like I, I don't think you're wrong about my perspective, so I I think you're right. So um, we all have our own, you know, opinions and
1: biases, but
0: I really do think it's bad, and I I think it's bad for so many reasons. I think there's very few redeeming parts, and and I if I even if I took out all my personal bias and hatred for like the fact that this exists at all, I still think objectively for me it would be a bad film. There's a lot of like there's there's some things I liked about it, like I liked all the middle sun whale stuff. Or he's connecting with the whale. The tulku? I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Um, Anyway.
1: Apparently, James Cameron gets pissed if you call them whales. Yeah,
0: I know. And maybe he'll fire me. I don't care. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so right here at the end, we'll play a song from The Way of Water.